welcome everybody. This is Afro Leads, the podcast. The podcast consists of two sisters, Julie and Steph. And as always, we are on a mission to promote black business and culture. At present, we have an Instagram platform where we post positive features about black business and groups and communities, celebrities, music, and so much more. Today's guest is Bailey Adioti, an inspiring social entrepreneur and hospitality industry expert, pastor in addition, who has a passion for seeing people realise their purpose and potential. Born in Malawi, Bailey moved to the UK aged four. She has lived mostly in Glasgow, where she still resides. During her studies, computer science and business with international business, she discovered she had a flair and aptitude for entrepreneurship. Bailey founded and is the managing director of Decamai Limited, a social enterprise which works to empower women and youth from diverse ethnic backgrounds in leadership and enterprise through education and employment. Decamai means to receive people with open arms, hearts and minds in Greek. And this is what Decamai strives to do. During lockdown, over 45 women were guided in setting up their own businesses. Decamai were also able to continue to invest in the local community via provision of food hampers and offering free workshops on well-being, mindset and self-awareness. It doesn't end there. Bailey is also the Vice President of Scottish Women in Business and has recently become an ambassador for Women's Enterprise Scotland. What an incredible role model. Queen, take a bow and welcome to our podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, Steph and Julie, for having me here today. You're very welcome. Um, I keep, I, we, we always get really overwhelmed when we write the post, but then when we meet or speak to somebody, it's even more like, oh my goodness, this is this incredible person who's obviously incredibly busy, has given their time um, to like little old us, and it's really nice. <laughs> and you, obviously you're doing so much great work. So it's a real, real honour to have you on the podcast. No, do you know what? The first time you featured me, I was like, how did they find me? <laughs> how did they find Decamai? We're just like this small little enterprise doing a little something in Scotland and this English amazing podcast and Instagram feature has like posted us so I was really overwhelmed like I was honestly so overwhelmed that we were featured in your post. Oh you're welcome. Yeah it's an honour and it's that warms our hearts to hear that because it's really great to find out about people such as you doing an incredible work and it's shining a light on the excellence that's across the UK and it was really important to look for people working in like Scotland as well as you know because often we find like we're like Yorkshire born and bred so we often think that a lot of the um, black British representation is London centric but then you must think it's even like more like England centric so 100% to get these diverse narratives out to just yeah shine a light on it and yeah it's so it's so so great to meet you today thank you right should we get on with the questions I know I've got lots of questions to to fire your way as Julie hinted in the introduction that you were born in Malawi obviously you moved to the UK at a very very young age so essentially from our perspective as Julie mentioned we're very much Yorkshire born and bred we have nothing to in sort of in comparison from two very different cultures from very young especially what was it like in Malawi or or do you remember anything about your time in Malawi at such, such a young age and then obviously the transition to the UK what was that like I think all I remember in Malawi is like obviously living there. I remember like weekends and holidays. Malawi is one third lake and the lake is one side of the country and it's so accessible for you to go to the lake. So yeah, we spent weekends and time at the lake and yeah, I went to a Catholic school in Malawi. When my parents decided to move to Bath, that's when English really kicked in and teaching us English. 
and obviously it's easier for you to learn a different language at such a young age especially when you're four and you just soak it in like a sponge I was four turning five but when we arrived in England in practice it actually doesn't go that well so what was discovered was I could speak English really really well but when it came to writing in English that was something that I struggled with I would write in Chichewa and then and when the teacher asked me what does this say I would tell her in fluent English what it said so once again like children when you're teaching them languages sometimes they can get it's not confused it's just the way the brain processes things so the teacher suggested that my parents stop speaking Chichewa to me so that my brain could process everything in English and help me and she had said that it's not something that I will forget because I've learned Chichawa at such a young age I will be able to retain that and I won't forget it and do you know what even though my parents spoke English to me all that time and my sister they completely stopped speaking Chichawa to us when I did return to Malawi five years later I saw a butterfly and I just burst out in Chichawa and said Gula Gufe and everyone looked at me and they were like what and I was like is that the word for butterfly and they said yes it is how do you know that and I said I think I just remembered it and all these words just started to flood back into my system so it was easy for me to pick up shower and even though my parents still to this day never spoke shower to me it was easy for me to pick up new languages and it remains the same that I pick up languages easier just because I've had that interaction but yeah in England it was nice it was I made friends my sister and I made friends and that was always the thing that I guess you start a school when everyone's already started so we arrived in England in March and schools have started in September in England so it was like oh my goodness will I make friends will I do this and you know that actually has repeated the rest of my life it was the same with high school I started school two weeks after everybody had basically started and once again I was like will I make friends I'm in Scotland it'll be so different to England but yeah it's one of those experiences that you do make friends you just need to put yourself out there and make friends oh that's so lovely to hear because we, we, we obviously we speak to a number of people that maybe don't have as a, a nicer introduction to a new culture and things like that so that's really lovely and a testament to yourself like you say putting yourself out there um go on joe yeah um, so I've got, I've got loads of questions from what you've just said like initially with regards to your experience with language did your sister have the same is your sister older or younger than you she's younger than me so she didn't even at the time she would have been three so obviously her speech was developing so she actually doesn't know chichewa like the way i do yeah so english obviously she picked it up quicker and easier and she just knows like little phrases in chichewa that's such a shame because language is so important like we're our, our um, heritage is Ghanaian and unfortunately we don't speak any Ghanaian language um yet although we you're got better than me though she's she's been very humble she is no not, you've been to Ghana more than me and also you have lessons so you are much better than me I've for sure tried, I tried to have less I had lessons in lockdown but which I had to stop but I'm gonna start again although but the thing is even just yesterday I tried speaking it and got laughed at so oh, that's, <laughs> so nice. that's, all, that's the problem though I think when you try yeah. and, and people laugh at you you think oh what's the point it's just yeah. it's, it's, it's really really yes yeah, an adult you get that kind of quite easy to become inhibited but um I think it's wonderful that you still have your mother tongue because it's so important. I personally think for identity, and it's interesting that 
the advice the teacher gave your parents and how they stuck to it even you know when you clearly have the the issue that you explained about um yeah thinking and the fun- one writing in another that's well resolved the funny thing is though like my parents spoke a completely different language too amongst oh the- okay grandparents and my aunts and uncles they so um chichewa and english are the official languages from malawi because my parents are from the north of malawi they spoke konkonde so when i want to converse with someone from the north of malawi so like my uncles and aunts and even like my grandmother i have to speak konkonde but once again from because i had heard them speak it when i was young and i surrounded myself with that I can understand Conde fluently, but I cannot speak it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So That's when right. I speak to them, I speak in Chichewa, and then they, they understand Chichewa, but they speak back exactly. to Conde. Oh, wow. It must be fascinating. <laughs> real times and things. And your proficiency with languages, I'm sure we'll go on to it. You speak German, didn't you? studied that with your um, uni, was that right? With your business? At college, yeah. I, I did um, a crash. So in Scotland, we do um, standard grades which are like O-levels, and then we do hires, which are like A-levels. So I studied standard grade German, but then I never pursued it. So later on, I did a crash hire in German, which meant that I just learned everything in like nine months. But then it was business German I wanted to learn too. So yeah, and I managed to, that's actually the best mark I've ever had, which was a B. Did you go to Germany as part of that crash course or...? You know, I actually never, I chose to go, um, I was doing French and German as part of that. So I chose to go to France instead. So we spent the first two weeks in France in a place called Olney Soubois, which is just outside Paris. And then, and we had to translate things from French into English. And then the following year, went back to Olney Soubois. So I've actually never been to Germany. So the top list of places for me to visit, just because I understand the language so well. That'd be really cool yeah, to go, absolutely. and obviously just use the language as well. Yeah, I I went did my I did a I don't know if you know what an Erasmus year is. I don't know if they yeah. do that. So I did an Erasmus year in Spain, which I loved, and I I think at the time I thought, oh, I'm, I'm, my Spanish is okay. It wasn't like amazing, but it was okay. But then obviously when I got to Spain, I was like, my Spanish is terrible. Nobody <laughs> understands me. I I could understand people when I was like in Madrid because it's like the BBC language. Everyone speaks perfectly. But I was in a place called Cadiz, which is, they, they actually say, it's like the equivalent of a Spanish person learning English in Glasgow because it's their accent is so thick and strong and they don't finish the end of the words properly. So you don't really know whether it's first person, second person, third person, so to add that into the mix so when I got there I was like oh my goodness this is going to be the longest year of my life I don't get I don't know what I've been learning but it's not Spanish <laughs> but then when you get it you get it and it's amazing so yeah. going to Germany and being able to use all of that wonderful knowledge and then just see it you know converse into a conversation and friendships it'll be wonderful to see that yeah that's what I'm looking forward to have you been back to Spain yes time? actually so my um I, I met my changed her life she met her husband I met my husband <laughs> I remember speaking to my mum and my mum saying, focus on your studies. And I was like, fine, great. And then I came back with a boyfriend. She was like, oh my wow. God, please say you speak Spanish at least. And then, yeah, 15 years later, we're married and have a baby. That's amazing. Yeah, so we do go back a lot. We do go back often, which is nice. But yeah, I just think language, like Julie said, languages are so important. Um, I was going to say, when we were little, I'm sure my mum said, 
because I used to get confused because well, my mum tried to speak to us in, in Twi, which um, yeah. is the our language that she speaks. And I used I to get them. really confused. So I'm sure the teacher said to her yeah. about me, can you help her out? And it's that emotional pull as a mum. Yeah. If somebody said to me about my little boy, like he's struggling and you, ha- you have to do X, Y, Z for them to have an easier time, you instantly would. But long term, I don't know if that's the right piece of advice I, I would suggest in this day and age, would you? I think, like, thinking about my little boy, I think children are so adaptable. Um, I think if you immerse them in something, so I'll give you an example. Before the pandemic, my son was at nursery, and just before he turned three, they introduced that the kids would learn Spanish for one hour on a Wednesday. Oh, wow, that's amazing. One hour on Wednesday, the Spanish songs and things. So the pandemic happened, and it was one of the girls from church's birthday. She's Colombian, and I said, let's wish her happy birthday. And I was saying, you know, she speaks Spanish and things. So we were sending her a video message, and he burst into a Spanish song. And I was like, hello. Oh, my gosh, amazing. Where did this come from? And I then realized, I was like, all those little... And he probably only done like four months of one hour every Wednesday. And I thought he's picked something up here. So that's actually something that I try and do with him. Just every now and again, I'll say to him, so he knows how to count. He's four. He knows how to count one to 10 in Spanish. And then we're like introducing colors and, and he will tell me like the way he likes to learn. So I try and introduce that with him. So whether if we're doing colors and it could be like using Lego blocks and then he's telling me the colors, but I think it's just trying to understand how your child likes to learn and if they can express the way he is, he doesn't like sitting down to learn. He needs like, he's learned by doing and learned by expression type learner. So yeah, so, and because and my husband and I speak, we're from two different countries, don't have a language in common. So Spanish is perfect for our little boy. Oh, that is awesome. It's yeah. And so important Um, yeah and it's great that you're doing it at such an early age because I think often if you wait in the in England you don't often I think well starting a bit earlier now you might start learning in primary school age nine or ten but that could be too late as well Um, but I think it's I think it's something new that's coming into nurseries my friend has a a three-year-old and they do like like Spanish songs I think because last time we went to see them, they were obviously jumped onto to Pepe. So like, show show them what you know in your language. And Pepe was like, this is amazing. Oh, and I, I think from I was, we would never have had that when we were little at all. No, I didn't have that. Oh, what I love, I love all the things that are now happening for kids. I think it's really special. And also broadening the mind that communication, it, it just, it will open up opportunities. Because who knows where your son may end up, like if he wants to go to Spain or like the complete like Latin America or the, yeah. it's just huge that yeah. to me that seems that it's kind of not a possibility for me at the moment because I can't speak Spanish although I want that's something else I like to learn there's so many things I need to, to do but um if you did it just opens up a world of possibilities doesn't it? It does, it does. You've shared on other platforms how you've plucked up the courage to follow your passion and use your talents in business and enterprise, even though this sort of like went a bit against the grain of what your parents, particularly your dad, had encouraged you to do. Because I think you started off learning computer sciences. Do you mind sharing the lovely story about that? I just really loved like hearing on another podcast that you're on about your dad's really loving response for the benefit of our listeners. And if you could share what that moment taught you. 
So yeah, when I was at school, um, I was trying to decide what I wanted to do. And I was good with computers and my dad was into computers too. So I thought, okay, I'm going to try computer science. And I guess at that time, it was like the thing that you should try and get into. So I went to a college to do computer science. It was because I was always the youngest in my class so for me to go to uni the teachers and my dad had thought it might just be a big jump because I was 16 at the time so they thought if I go to college I had the hires so I could go to college to do that and when I got to college I was the only girl in a class of 27 and even though I liked it I just felt as if there was something more and yeah there wasn't that many girls. I communicated with some girls in another course, but I just felt like there was something more that I want to do more. I wasn't being fulfilled from doing computer science, but I was too scared to tell my dad. So I decided that I would wait for the perfect opportunity to tell him. And I decided to go and work full-time in my part-time job at the McDonald's drive-through until I plucked up the courage to tell him. But obviously being 16, I wasn't wise enough to realize that the college also because they knew the concern that my dad had had for me starting college at 16 were in touch with him so they they contacted and said she's not been here for the past few weeks where is she and my was like she has been coming like she's been leaving the house and they were like well not here she's not been here for a week so my dad thought where could she be the one place he thought I know where she'll be she'll be at her work <laughs> so this order came in one day through the drive-through as a drive-through champion and I packed the order and I was like here you go have a nice day and it was my dad in the car and he was like okay he was like I know you'll be finishing your shift soon he was like I'll wait for you in the car park and I'll give you a lift home home just being like a five minute drive so he just asked me like why I hadn't shared with him and how he wanted like obviously for me to do the best and if that's what I want to do then I could go and try it like at college or at uni and see if that's what I want to do. Um, and I'm saying that because I had had a taste of enterprise at school. So we have something called the Young Enterprise Programme, which I know viewers listening all over the UK will hear about it because it takes place in all schools in the UK. So the Young Enterprise Programme is the opportunity for students in high school, tends to be around 15, 16, to basically create a company with the support of their teacher. And we had created this amazing company, won two commendations at a big award ceremony. And I loved it. I loved doing it. And I just thought maybe I could go and start a business. So even just to learn about business, learn about the different aspects of business. Yeah, there was, I'm more a creative thinker. I like to do creative things. So there were some aspects that I didn't like, but it's all aspects that I realized that you need to make a business. And going back to what people learn and just schools I'm now seeing enterprise especially in Scotland I go into primary schools and teach people students enterprise as young as six how to start wow. enterprises and I just think that's the way the world is going and mm -hmm. um, that's the way entrepreneurs will help solve the world's problems and we are the solution to the world's problems and um, and I think so much needs to be invested in education for entrepreneurship so that there's a connectivity from primary school to high school to universities. And even for people who think I'm going to study pharmacy, I heard a pharmacist saying she never thought about being an entrepreneur. She was just dead set on being a pharmacist. 
then she created she created medicine or something for I think Alzheimer's and somebody said to her well you need to sell this product on like and she was like oh my goodness I need to now learn how to set up a business mm -hmm. so if we were to think about everybody in the world whether they're an engineer an architect and if they're going to create something that solves a problem then they need to know some basis for entrepreneurship and if we can start teaching entrepreneurship from as young as six then it means that people will carry that DNA of entrepreneurship wherever they go, whatever field that they are, but they're always seeing themselves as a problem solver to the world's problems. Oh, powerful. I, I absolutely love that. And if I was a, a five or a six-year-old in front of you where you're you know, showing your skills there and sort of empowering them and giving them the, the, the I don't know, the, the intel to spot signs in themselves that they can do, I'd be so inspired. We're really big on the whole representation as well. And seeing you female, black, you know, you know, Scottish. So, you know, that is so powerful in itself, I think, especially going into schools and not just, you know, the older bracket in terms of ages, but those younger kids as well. I'd be absolutely, if I saw something like you when I was five, I would probably be as rich as Oprah Winfrey. I'm not even joking. <laughs> Do you know what? If I had had the entrepreneurship from like, um, if I'd had that, studying in primary school and secondary I would have just kept pursuing it I wouldn't have gone down the science route but obviously I believe that everything worked out for good um, and that's the way I see it I tried different paths but it's always taken me to here and I think that's what we need to embrace yeah 100% so um in terms of the name um what's the name can you pronounce it again for me because I don't want to butcher it in my Yorkshire accent Decamai. Yeah, that's it, Decamai. I, I, I was almost there when I was practicing, but I just thought, you know, you, you can give it that flavor, Decamai. It's a great name. I love the ethos. I love the meaning behind it, et cetera. Um, when did the spirit to share what you know with women from marginalized communities come to you and how easy has it been to set that those wheels in motion? So I always knew I wanted to do something. My mom had suggested that I should try a social enterprise. She thought that I was really good with people and she explained to me that it's not just about making money, it's about helping people. So I tried to create the social enterprise years ago and it was great. I'd done a pilot scheme, I'd received some funding for it, but because it was to do like with hair extensions and teaching people who didn't, you know, um, there are people who can do hair extensions, who can do braiding, but they don't have the qualifications, which means that they don't have the insurance to cover them. So I spotted that, that there was a gap that we needed to make sure those people who are able to do it. and they've learned braiding from their native countries but come here and just not been able to access qualifications so was trying to get them the qualifications to get them the insurance they were able to trade well but then the government legislation changed which meant that only hairdressers could do hair extensions and dentists could only do teeth whitening and all these aesthetics so I was unable to pursue that but I realized that there was something that I needed to do, a problem that I needed to solve, and it would be in a social enterprise setting. Years down the line, completely forgot about it, working in hospitality, and I was on a train from Glasgow to Edinburgh, and a woman sat across from me, and we just sparked up a conversation. I said to her, where are you going? And she said, oh, I'm going to Edinburgh, and I'm pitching today. And I said, what are you pitching for? And she pulled out these pair of pants, and they were like Superman's pants. And <laughs> I was like, pants. And she said, these are empowerment pants. They're empowering women who have gone through trauma and different things. 
And I said, wow. And she started telling me about her social enterprise. Um, her name was Sylvia Douglas. And Sylvia now runs three big major social enterprises in Scotland. And um, the one that I met her for, Miss, Miss, Mrs., um, that is going to be seven this year. And that was, yeah, so I met her just before she launched that. And then two years ago, just before the pandemic, I reconnected with her. She was um, hosting a workshop, inspiring new social entrepreneurs. And I was in the room and she said, guess how much I was going to pitch for? And I said, how much? And I had all these big pound signs in my head. She said, 500 pounds. She said, 500 pounds. Well, what was I was going to pitch for? And do you know what? That day on the train, the way she spoke to me, it was like her life depended on it. And that's why I thought she's going to pitch for like thousands of pounds, but it was 500 pounds. And she said only one woman turned up that workshop, but that was all it took for one woman to turn up. And then that woman went to tell other women. So when I set Deck My Up was because I was working in hospitality, I had a company car and people would always say to me, how did you get the company car? Because in Scotland, you tend to see that most ethnic minorities, especially black, are working either in the kitchen doing dishes, which is nothing wrong with that, or doing front of house roles, not operational roles. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, try and create opportunities for people from ethnic minority communities in different settings. So whether it's social media, marketing, and that's where DECMI started. That's why it's got to go above gracious hospitality at the end, because it's hospitality we were focusing on. Mm -hmm. But the pandemic brought an opportunity because I had started businesses in the past, but they hadn't gone well. But when I started Decamai, I realized that I needed more skills and knowledge. I needed to learn more about social enterprises. I went on different social enterprise courses. And people would always ask me, like, how have you got this far? And when they were asking me that, it was only a year old. But we were doing things. And I thought in the pandemic, I was like, well, since the world has come to a standstill, Decamai is not making money because we're not doing any events. We're not helping hospitality. Why don't I teach people how to set up? enterprises and we did the pilot and had 19 women and 19 women I was surprised I was like oh my goodness and one of the women that came on just to share this story one of the women that came on um was called Aura and Aura had been like me she was an accidental entrepreneur started a business when she was 13 and it was selling samosas on her school holidays to pay for her pocket money when she was at boarding school and it was her brother who basically pushed her into it. It was like, you know, I'll pay for your school fees, but you need to make your own pocket money. And since you're good at making samosas, I think you should make samosas and put them into the bars that I drink in. He was like, because guys are always <laughs> drinking, but we need something to soak up the alcohol. So she started making samosas and they were selling out. And he kept on saying like, and he would always say, oh, I tried your samosas today in such and such a bar. They're a bit too dry, blah, blah. So he always gave her that feedback. And she started selling to more and more bars during her holidays. She finished uni and Samosas funded her pocket money throughout secondary school and university. And then she got married, had kids, and then she got divorced and she went back to selling things here and there. So she came on to our course and I was like, oh my goodness, like you've got this history of being an entrepreneur. Why are you here? And she's like, I never had anyone teach me how to be an entrepreneur. I wish I had someone teach me. And the reason why it shocked me was because Aura was my mom. She was my biggest role model, but she was there to learn about being an entrepreneur and the skills that it required to be an entrepreneur. And she had invited out of the 19 women, 
she invited six of them to come on because she was like, come, let's learn to be an entrepreneur. Let's learn to what it takes to be an entrepreneur. And she kept on inviting people onto my courses. So in 2020, we helped 62 women with different various support for setting up a business or even just providing business support. And then we came into partnership with the Royal Bank of Scotland and NatWest. And it's important about partnerships and collaborations because you can do things yourself, but when you partner with others and collaborate with others, you can actually do more and greater. So in 2020, 2021, sorry, we managed to support 232 women, which is like quadrupling the support that we were able to provide. And we could expect to see that double in 2022. That's incredible. Do you ever sometimes think, like have those moments where you, not out of, I won't class those out of body experiences, but look back and think, Craig, this is my life and this is the impact that I'm having. Yeah, I have lots of those moments. I think because I went through quite a lot of my life where I would have moments where something amazing would happen and I really didn't appreciate it. I was always rushing to the next thing, always chasing the next big thing. Last year, my mom passed away. And one of the last things she said to me was, she actually quoted Luke 137. If it's okay for you guys to share, but for me to share, and it's like nothing is impossible with God. But at the time she shared, she actually said, remind the ladies, nothing is impossible with God. And I use that. I share that in all platforms. At that setting, it was a prayer meeting, but I knew that she was also sharing with the women that I support that nothing is impossible with God, but nothing is also impossible with support. Mm-hmm. And that slowed me down greatly. It, slowed, it made me appreciate everything. Mm-hmm. It made me appreciate going for walks with my friends and their little girls, seeing my son grow up. It made me appreciate the big wins and the small wins. I was always chasing big wins, but small wins was waking up out of bed and having a shower. And big wins was being able to cook dinner for my family. So since then, when I've had a big win, I pause, celebrate and reflect. and yeah, I just always think this is little old Decamite, like little Decamite amongst giants, but doing something. And even when I saw that figure about 232 women in 2021, I thought, wow, like we've supported these women and we've quadrupled our support since 2020. And we've got a bigger dream to double the support that we supported, the people that we supported in 2020, in 2021 versus 2022 so now yeah I do step back every time and I always just think is this happening is this real yeah so it's quite surreal sometimes but I just know that this is where I'm meant to be this is what I'm meant to be doing I love that so you've definitely found your purpose I mean there's moments that you're loving and we mentioned um, being an ambassador for Women's Enterprise Scotland being a vice president of Scottish Women in Business those moments as well must be like wow these are again you want to enjoy the moments reflect but keep moving and keep sort of gathering momentum and things like that but I mean how do you stay grounded you've mentioned obviously your faith and things but those are big things that you know that show your acumen your ability your motivation how do I stay grounded they are big things so big and sometimes I think these are bigger than me and I think it is my faith that carries me 
Right. It's my faith that carries me into those positions and opens those doors. I don't think I'm qualified to do any of what I'm doing. Oh, don't but, say that. You obviously no, have the results you're having. No. Okay. I don't think I'm qualified to do what I'm doing, but the gift I've got, the talents I've been given, create these opportunities for me to do what I'm doing, to own those spaces. So there have been like many times, many times, and I will actually be honest with you that I broke down, I think it was in June, I broke down because I had been given an opportunity and it was a really big opportunity. And I just felt so small. I felt such an imposter. And I had to be, I had to surround myself with like lots of different circles of friends and the opportunity that I've been given, I had to run to friends in like really high positions and say, I feel so small, I can't do this. And they said, no, you can do this. And that's why you've been given that opportunity and you just need to learn to own that space. Mm. So they decided that they were going to surround me with like mentors and push mentors and send me on a course that just helps me stop limiting my mindset and limiting myself because I'm teaching women not to limit themselves and see the potential but then I'm getting these big opportunities I think part of it is also because we set ourselves targets and plans and if you were to say to me and I look back at the plan that I had for DECMI so in three years time we turned three in November sorry um where did I see DECMI I saw DECMI only having three members of staff and it was a full-time member of staff, me, and two part-time. Where was Dekamai in November? Dekamai had six members of staff. So Dekamai was growing quicker and bigger than I had ever imagined. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's for you to embrace that growth, yeah. but also to really know how to manage it mm -hmm. without controlling it. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think, that's why I broke down in June because I had grown quicker, Dekamai, sorry, had grown quicker than I'd expected it. And I just, didn't know how to handle that and the opportunities were being thrown left right and center and sometimes I guess I also had FOMO where I think if I don't take this will I miss that opportunity will I ever get that opportunity will death I ever get that opportunity and my mom's death actually made me let go of FOMO because last year I think it was in August um, I was nominated for four awards for the Institute of Directors, but just because of my headspace, mm. um, I had to like fill out application forms and things. And I just never did it. I never did it. And I remember watching the awards because one of my friends was nominated for other awards too. And I remember thinking, that's amazing. She's done that. She's done that. And I'm so happy. But that, that formal I had let go of and I just embraced that there'd be other opportunities for me, other awards that we'd be nominated for. And um, sometimes it's not even about me, it's all about Dekamai. And I guess that's the other thing was to let go of me and to just know that everything is about Dekamai, everything's about the women that we impact. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just, my right hand man calls me the chief visionary officer. So I have all these visions for Dekamai, but he is the one who outworks everything that I have in my brain. So um, it takes a team to make Dekamai work. And I'm just, I guess people see me as a face, but I try and make sure that 
the staff and the team with me are also seen. So it's just not seen that Aila is doing Dekamai, but there's people around Dekamai, there's people behind Dekamai that push us forward. Oh, that's incredible. And thank you for being so vulnerable because I think when people see a successful person, they don't appreciate that it's a journey. There are ups and downs in that journey, but yeah. you've like so eloquently demonstrated that A, you're not doing it on your own, you acknowledge that it's a team effort, but B, for you to be able to navigate it, you've you know you've created a circle whether it's you know a tribe of people around you that can lift you up when you need to be lifted because you're lifting a lot of people you're doing a lot with your gifting and your talent and your your drive but sometimes you need to be lifted too and you've already had that in place for them to be able to support you how they did and I just love you know also you sharing about your mum like being your biggest cheerleader coming to your course bringing other people on it and you're thinking like you're going to want to learn from me so I'm sure she like she's demonstrated humility like yes she's got experience but she's not afraid to come and learn from her daughter but also bring other people alongside and there's so many I mean we could talk for hours but about the impact of empowering women and I mean, everybody needs to have opportunities mm -hmm. not trying to um discount our men but when you elevate or empower and equip a woman that's the whole community that is going to be lifted up so you and so my figures are completely wrong when I said 45 but the 262 people that you've um, uplifted just last year that's them you can multiply that probably by 10 in terms of the, yeah. well, feeling the ripple effects of them being able to walk in their kind of fit fulfill their purpose work in their journey and uh, be able to work for themselves I mean it's it's yeah you'll never fully know the extent of your no. impact and that's beautiful actually because then it might be completely overwhelming I believe in planting seeds of trees that I'll never enjoy the shade mm. oh, I love that love that but again it's that's that's so you really isn't it really in terms of how you operate what keeps you grounded what keeps you motivated you're happy just to empower one person one woman for the and, and for them to help others and you carry on and keep going that's wonderful it's beautiful yeah I love that mm. so is it time for the man in the magic I think question so, yeah there's because there's so many more things I've got more but questions <laughs> maybe another time we'll be here for two hours <laughs> Um, so as with every podcast, we ask our fabulous guest the melanin magic question. Now that question is, what are your hopes and dreams for black British culture in the next five to 10 years? And do you have any insights on how we're going to get there? It's a big question. <laughs> big question. It's a really big question. My hope is for us to stop striving. And I think striving, like I've taken out the word hustle from my vocabulary in 2022 because hustle is hard work, it's going against the grain and even grinding, hustle and grind, I think they need to be taken out of everyone's vocabulary. And for my hope for um, black culture is that we stop striving and start thriving. Mm, and thriving in circles and places where we're meant to and sometimes it's also realizing where you're meant to be. I just sent a friend a message. One of my friends, two years ago, she could be an orchid. And she has her ups and downs in life. But she said to me, when you look at this orchid, remember me and don't give up on me. 
and this orchid and I have had a battle because sometimes <laughs> I forget to water it. I forget to do so many things. But a few weeks ago, I sent her a picture saying, this orchid is blooming in winter. And I was like, and that's what I want for you. But then last week I realized something. I was like, oh my goodness, I've had this orchid for two years and I've not repotted it. And when I looked at its roots, it was all cramped. It was really, really cramped. And I thought, I thought I've done the best for this orchid, but I've actually not. I've not done it any justice. I need to let its roots spread. I need to repot it, put it on fresh soil. So it's also for the black culture to realize that in order for us to thrive, sometimes we need to move into different environments and place ourselves in places that will thrive and places where we can actually let our roots be free and let our roots be planted. I love that. I can resonate with a lot of what you said there on a personal level. I'm sure a lot of listeners can mm. as well. Um, but I've so well articulated with the, with the plants as well. You can visualize it so much stronger. But it's true, I think sometimes we get comfortable or we get used to the environments that we're told to be in. Yeah. Um, or the spaces we're used to. Yeah. 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 And put yourself in an environment. And you know, sometimes, well, what I found is sometimes that the places that I have thought I suited me historically. Yeah. Uh, and then it's until you've moved on that you realise that, you know, you, there were, it was a limited space and you were so comfortable and you thought it was great because you weren't pushed, you weren't ch- sort of challenged. And then it's until you've moved on to a place that initially you may have been like a swan peddling like crazy underwater. Um, but those skills that you get whilst you are kind of spinning a million plates are great for your sort of self, you know, self-actualisation, yeah. motivations, etc. So I love that. I really do love that. What about you, Jay? Yeah, no, it's really powerful and it's um, very, you can translate it to anything. It's so personal or on the kind of enterprise for the whole culture. So it's it's a a good, um, it's a good target to aim for. And just really interesting when you were starting to talk about hustle. I mean, hustle is, just a way of life in our culture and it, yeah. it shouldn't be but it is it's just it's almost like the expected route if something wasn't hard come by then yeah we come, you know but to maybe change mindsets and yeah. expectations and I think that is happening for the younger generation coming through yeah. but being intentional about that is really important so thank you oh so it's been absolutely wonderful thank speaking you. with you today oh yeah, it's and thank you for connecting. It's really great that you like responsive to our request for our podcast today. You've been such a blessing. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Are you happy to share like your handles on different mm-hmm. social yourself and also Dakamai? Yeah, so you can get me on Instagram. I think I'm the same on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. So it's just Bayile B A Y I L E space Adioti A D E O T I on all platforms. And Decamai is D-E-C-H-O-M-A-I and LTD. That's on all platforms too. Wonderful. So we look forward to just growing, further growth and inspiration of communities across. Well, look, I'm sure it's going to be like international, you know, and because this this is needed. As you say, like there are lots of people who have accidentally come into entrepreneurship but and, and they're, they're doing great things but if 
yeah. a few extra tools in their arsenal that they can really yeah use they'll be they'll thrive and, and, and grow even more so thank you so much and my big ask for your listeners and for everybody is I do believe in the power of networks and the power of collaboration so don't keep this podcast to yourself share it on to others so you might not be impacted by what I've said but when you forward it to someone else it might actually be what they need to hear and it might actually we might offer them the support that they need so please share it on oh, great advice yeah, absolutely and we've covered loads in this podcast so I'm sure something will resonate with with every person that's listened absolutely so thank you so much and that's really thank great you. advice and but that is it from us today so once again thank you so much Bailey so much for your time so much for your wisdom your energy your positivity as Julie mentioned as well your vulnerability it's it's amazing you've far surpassed what conversations we thought we were going to have today <laughs> you know that was set so high so thank you so much thank you for having me today you're welcome and thank you to everybody listening um as we've mentioned yeah please share and um again sharing is caring um <laughs> we hope you've learned so much today and taken a lot um, from the discussion um but yeah join us again next time